Welcome to the Inside Bassmaster podcast presented by Black Rifle Coffee Company. And like we do every month, this is the December pattern of the month. But Kyle, our guest today is Cliff Prince from the state of Florida. So I'm not going to just call it December pattern of the month. I'm going to call it the only month of the year that you know for sure it could be pre-spawn in Florida month. And that's the that's what we're going to talk about today. And so excited to have Cliff on the show. And Cliff, the first thing that we think of when we think of cold weather in Florida is every single one of those St. John's events that hasn't been perfectly lined up with the spawn or it's not been a perfect warm front, but those have been right up your alley. So give us an overarching thought of when you think of December or you think of pre-spawn in Florida, uh, what does that bring your mind to? Well, December, it all, it all amounts to, you know, the temperatures we get, um, in Florida, this time of year, in the southern part, down towards Okeechobee, I mean, if, if we've happened to have a really cold snap, you know, like in November or whatever, and it spikes that water down, and then when it warms back up in Okeechobee, that's kind of what kind of what triggers the spawn down there. And and uh, it wouldn't surprise me if there aren't fish spawning in Apopka, uh, as far north as Apopka uh, right now, uh, and in Okeechobee. It just depends on the moon. and those fish down there, they just do it whenever they get ready, and they may do it multiple times a year. So, I mean, I've seen fish caught down there in June off the bed. So, I mean, it just they that down there, it's it's warming up at any time. They just do it whenever they get ready. Cliff, I'm having a hard time focusing here because you've got a what looks like a bass <laughs> swimming around your your left shoulder. Uh, so that's yeah. a little distracting, but uh, you know, you kind of mentioned it there, obviously. I kind of want to tailor this towards, um, you know, maybe the people that are, you know, trying to go fish in Florida in December. Obviously, it's a destination mm -hmm. for a lot of anglers from December to February because, you know, the fish sure. could be really, really good down there as where, you know, as far north as as Alabama and Arkansas, where Ronnie and I are at, uh, you know, it's it's some of the tougher times of the year. So for somebody going down there that's not super familiar, yeah. this time of year, December, fish are doing all sorts of things. I mean, pre-spawn, yes. spawn, spawn. I mean, you hear about just a little bit of everything. Yeah. If you're going down, you didn't really know, like, what would be your kind of, I guess, initial advice? Like, start with this. Well, uh, my initial my initial advice is, is these fish are never deep because there's no deep water in Florida. So, I mean, the first thing that I would look at is our staging areas, which is like the first map or a patch of grass or, or, or a set of pads that are outside a spawning area. And that's the first thing they're going to move to. And also looking for bait. If it's cold, they're going to, they're, you know, like in, in here in the St. John's, they're feeding on shrimp right now. I, the shrimp are just crazy. They're, they're longer than your hand. And uh, my son and his college partner went Monday and they just absolutely crushed them. And uh, the fish are, the fish here are feeding up where down there they're already looking for a place to do it. Um, these fish here haven't started moving in yet. They're still out on the shell bars and points and, and, uh, and, you know, sandbars and that sort of thing feeding up. But like I say, the farther South you go, the farther along they're going to be. So. How do you balance that? I wasn't planning on asking this, but how do you balance that? We, you know, there's always, nine to 12 anglers who could probably call a stop on the elite series, their home Lake. And for someone uh, like you, you're, you're the prince of Palatka. 
How, when the <laughs> schedule is announced, do you go? Normally, you don't have to. You have to wait the shortest. You have to wait from November to February, and then you can talk about the St. Correct. John's however you want. But with it being in April this year, how does somebody like you or a Gerald Swindle at Gunnersville or the Johnsons at the St. Lawrence, maybe, how do you balance keeping relationships in the community, having a family that fishes, your son's out there fishing more than you are these days, it seems, without breaking any rules and staying with the intent of following that because you live and breathe St. John's River and Palatka. I mean, that that's your, that's your place. Yeah, well, uh, Chris and Corey Johnston, they have to deal with it because the, the St. Lawrence has been on uh on it uh <laughs> you know they on our schedule for the past five years. So with that being said, um they uh they um they have to deal with the same thing. And most everybody that I know that I talk to knows that I'm off limits and I can't talk about the St. John's. Because uh, they see the schedule as soon as I do, pretty much. So, um, anyway, that uh, <clears throat> with my son being out there, it, it, it's a, it's a little different because you know I can legally talk to him, but I can't necessarily talk to him about when and where and how. But uh, you can you can says, offer yeah, custom, like you like so if he, he if he asks you a question, you can tell him and offer it and talk fishing that way. You just can't find out if what you suggested ended up working yeah, I, out, you know. Yeah, I, I can't find out when, where, and what on, you know. <laughs> and and pretty much, you know, he knows the same areas. I know he probably knows a lot more than I do anymore. But um, he keeps up with it, you know. He's he's uh he's he's gonna be something to deal with here in the next few years. Him and his fishing partner, but uh, they um. It's 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 hard to most of like I say most everybody that I fish I used to fish against or fish with they know that they can't really talk to me about fishing because I'm like nope I, I I can't I can't talk about it you know so it's pretty easy and I'm sure Chris and Corey are the same way. Since we're on the St. John's River talk, one thing I was going to ask you know I had the opportunity to cover you on day one I guess it would have been two years ago and uh, you know it's it's funny because. It seems like there's a direct split of guys and probably way more on the side of don't pay any attention to it, but is the tides and without giving anything away, like, again, kind of explain that to somebody, uh, you know, that might be going to the St. John's during the the winter period, kind of, it, it's not necessarily huge swings, but kind of explain what that'll do to the fish in certain situations. Well, the tide, you know, it, uh, is totally reverse every week. So um in order to adjust to that you, i mean the fish move up and down with the tide of course but anytime i go to a title i've learned it here i pretty much try to put that out of my mind uh you know when we went to the california delta i knew there was a tide swing there it's kind of like here it's not very much but it does affect the fish but i have the, the only way i can explain it is 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 if you catch a fish in an area on Monday at two o'clock, you have to count down in every hour because every day it's an hour later. So that fish that you caught at two o'clock, by the time the tournament runs around, turns, turns around and comes in, you might be fishing that same area at nine o'clock in the morning instead of two o'clock in the afternoon. And um, that can also 
the wind can affect that. I mean, if you get a here, if you get a northeast wind, that can mean a two foot difference in the tide swing. And if you get a southwest wind, that can make it two foot lower than it was, you know, when we had a northeast wind. So that's the reason a lot of guys that live in in the state of Florida don't like to come to the St. John's because it's never the same. Uh, the guy I fished with back when I was younger and he kind of taught me what how to fish the river. We'd go practice two or three days that week and come tournament morning, we'd run the totally opposite direction just because of the wind direction and the tide and and maybe the clouds instead of sun. So um, it changes and it's never, ever the same. You were talking about pre-spawn fishing in Florida and the areas that you want to get in terms of those big pieces of structure, whether it's big lily pad fields, a big mat of vegetation area, maybe it's a shell bar out in front of spawning areas. Like you said, it's places fish will gather up. Most yep. of the time we see some of these points or places on other lakes they stack up. I mean, when you yep. find some places, uh, the same thing happens in Florida. It seems like they can, it's, it's a lot flatter. So they spread out wide instead of, you know, stacked up in the same spot. But do you, do you end up finding this time of the year when you catch one, there's a reason they're there and you can catch multiple there. Or is it like you said, a timing deal at times where you can catch a straggler off of a place out in front of a spawning you know, bay all day long, but it's just when, when the majority show up. Most of the time you can, you can hear, you can kind of pattern it. You know, if, if like, just say you go to Okeechobee and there's some reed patches that's got uh hyacinths or something blown up in it, uh, or penny war or something like that. Generally, if, if, if you catch two or three on one mat, generally you can run down the lake and find more, of that and and duplicate it um and here on the st john's if they're they're uh if it's, it's an incoming tide and they're on these shell patches you can generally run those those points or shell patches that are that are being hit by the incoming tide or versus the outgoing tide um some some of the points and shell bars are are better on incoming than they are on outgoing and vice versa so it's uh Pretty much, you got to figure out what they're holding on and kind of just run with that pattern. And hopefully, hopefully you find more of those areas that, that you can duplicate that. One thing we always talk about, uh, any any pattern in the month episode is, is baits. Obviously, that's a, a huge part of what people want to know. Rather than than making you choose three baits for the month of December, I feel like just give us like your top five baits. If again, like if somebody were to go down to Florida and fish, like Florida baits are so unique and different a lot of times than you know things you'd see in the rest of the country. Like you can go to a tackle store in Florida and you'll see things you don't see anywhere else. So give us yeah. like your top five baits that you know that somebody would need if they were going to go fish in Florida in December. Here in Florida, the three things that I'm going to have tied on my day, one's going to be a devil's horse. And that depends on the weather. If it's if it's cold, that's not going to work. But I'm going to always have one tied on. on. And the next is going to be a lipless bait, whatever your preference is, if it's a one knocker or, or rattle bait. And then the other is probably going to be a Carolina rig or, or a, a, you know, if I could throw another one in there, it'd be a flipping stick. But uh, those three or four baits are a must here in Florida. 
I have a question since you, since you brought up the devil's horse uh, or the, the prop bait. Uh, I mm-hmm. think it was, I think it was at Okeechobee this year. Um, we had Scott Martin on camera. He was catching someone on the devil's horse and yep. he said something on live. I don't want to get it wrong, but he said like, you, people think you throw the devil's horse on a cold, you know, after a cold night or after a warm night or, or is, so is there specific things where it's not just like, oh, it's, it's not warm enough for a frog or a buzz bait. I'm going to throw a devil's horse. Is there certain things it needs to be a warmer night after a cold front or a cooler night after a warm trend you know like when that thing is going to start to to thrive for you it's mainly water temp and what stage they are in the spawn but uh that thing is pretty deadly pre-spawn spawn and post-spawn that it works all three um and you work it three different ways uh um the Pre-spawn, you just pretty much just kind of work it. And my opinion, this is my opinion. And during the spawn, the slower you work it, the bigger they get. And post-spawn, you're pretty much focusing on fry, fry garters, that sort of thing. So you can work it relatively quick. But during the spawn, the slower you work it, the bigger they are. So, so. That's, that's that's my suggestion on throwing a prop bait. Kyle, I wanted to, ju- I wanted to jump ahead, in real ahead. quick because you were talking about baits, and then I just wanted to follow up on the devil's horse real quick, which was he just gave some good tidbits there. If you are listening, rewind it about 45 seconds and listen again. But, um, Cliff, I've followed you at the St. Saint John's just like Kyle has, uh-huh. and I followed you, and it seemed like every time I'd follow you, we'd see big show at that point in the elite series somewhere nearby doing something <laughs> similar. And I knew, Hey, yeah. the, the Palatka boys know what they're doing. Cause they're obviously um, running the same type of pattern. You were mixing up some different baits there. You, you know, when we talk about Florida fishing, everyone thinks an angler is a, a frogger and a puncher. And you mentioned a flipping uh-huh. stick or Carolina rig, but then uh, the devil's horse is something that's under underestimated. Um, bladed jigs, obviously. And then you, I, I got to watch you throw an underspin a whole bunch um, at times or a lipless, you know, and there, it's a kind of just a moving bait for suspended fish. You can vary your depth on that, on those lures. Right. Um, have you been able to see with new baits coming out and you've been at the St. John's for your whole life. Have you been able to see some of these new trending baits come out and be able to find applications for them in Florida where maybe the guys at Okeechobee would never purchase them because they don't have water they can fish. It seems that St. John's has a mixture of all the Florida lakes that you could fish, you know, all all the spectrum of your tackle box. Yeah, well, you know, when like whenever you mentioned the underspan, those Sorry. fish were feeding on shad. And it's a, it's a presentation that that at that time, a lot of guys didn't throw here. Um, since that elite event, they've pretty much got conditioned to it, and it's it's a little harder to catch them on it. But um, they have to be really be feeding to catch them now. But um, the uh, being on the elite series gives you the latest, greatest, and upcoming baits and how to fish them. Uh, it's like the chatterbait. A lot of guys didn't throw the chatterbait here when it first come out, and it come in and then it kind of died off. And now it's like all. Back it's like a new bait again because you know they've 
started making new and, and, and better chatterbaits with better hooks and uh, better action. And, and everybody started designing different uh, trailers for them and that sort of thing. So, And no one's throwing them as much because they're forward-facing sonar. So now that bite's opening up for guys like me and you. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. I mean, y'all all get offshore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, the bank, no, the bank bags are gonna be going up. <laughs> yeah, I'll join them whenever it works. Now, I, I can't say that I, I, I want to, you know, believe this or not. I was one of the first guys on the Elite Series to have one of those on their boat. I, whenever Garmin introduced that forward-facing sonar, I went down to Orlando and they put it on my boat, and I was like, wow. And uh, I wasn't smart enough like some of these younger guys to take it and run with it and and uh, take advantage of the technology right off the bat. But um, since then, I've learned how to use it. And I'm not as good as some of those guys with it because I don't depend on it. And I try not to depend on it. Sometimes I just turn it off and fish. But uh, I know these guys that are uh, that are using it are kicking my tail. At most of these events so uh I, that being said i'm gonna have to turn it on a little bit more well that's we i feel like we can't do a podcast without talking about forward-facing sonar something so let's, for at let's least like 45 seconds you know <laughs> let's let's switch the topic and talk about some manly stuff let's talk about flipping uh, yeah. One thing I was going to ask you, so we've talked, you know, flipping has been brought up a handful of times. And again, I, I hate to go back to, you know, kind of tailoring this towards somebody that's not super familiar with Florida. Cause I mean, there's, there's plenty of people that are not familiar with Florida style flipping. Cause it's not flipping yeah. bushes with fluorocarbon. It's not, you know, it's not the same thing as the majority of the company or country, excuse me. So kind of walk me through your setup. Um, you know, what you're doing, you know, line size, uh, weight size, how how much you'll vary that. And then also, you know, the things you're looking for, because it's not necessarily just one kind of grass. It's a it's a variety of of things that you might want to flip. So just kind of give us a, a rundown of that. Well, the kind of depends on the cover as far as line size, weight size. Uh, you know, if I'm just, you know, flipping, uh, you know, buggy whips or uh, something like that, I'll use a a half ounce, you know, tungsten with a, you know, a three out on a hook and, you know, something fairly light. But if I'm having to punch through, you know, say hyacinths or something like that, I'll use an ounce. And if it's real thick, I'll use up to a, you know, an ounce and a half, two ounce. Um, and the heavier the weight is, the bigger the line is and the bigger the hook is. Um, but, uh, I like a small bait anytime I'm flipping. I like something small. I don't like a big bulky bait just because I, I use a smaller hook than a lot of guys. I don't like to use a five alt hook. I'd rather use a three alt because it's easier to get through. And and uh, generally I get more bites on a smaller bait than I do a big bait. Now, sometimes I'll flip, flip or pitch a jig, but um, most of the time I'm throwing a three inch, you know, bait and, and using one ounce to a ounce and a quarter uh in the okeechobee florida top flip when we when we're talking about that uh that's the one big piece of cover and structure is you know i've seen guys just park their boats in a reed head when it's a cold front you know and they just sit there and just almost drop it through the same hole over and over again um yep. when it comes to those ultimate you know like 
regular weather in Florida. It's pre-spawn, but if you get a big warming trend, you could have a big wave of fish come spawn. Well, the reverse can happen too, I guess. I guess if those fish get up there ready to go and then it's an ultimate cold front happens, do those fish, in your opinion, in Florida or at the St. John's pull back out of, if they're headed towards a canal, do they pull out to the main river again or do they just sit and they're they're like I am? And I and I sit like this when I'm cold and I don't like to move. I'd rather just just maintain. Do you do you see both things? This like, you know, a large concentration move out, but big ones stay close. Well, you know, usually they don't move far. They they pull to the first cover that they can come to uh, be that, that a point, a treetop, uh, you know, a mat, a patch of patch of reeds or whatever you know that's the first thing that they'll that they will uh generally pull to and 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 they're waiting for the weather to get right so they're not going to go far they're going to pull to the first thing and that way when it does get right they don't have to go very far my opinion um but uh you know other guys may find them a little bit further away that they move a little further i find that they don't move very far they generally just tighten up to it and like you say, you have to pull up there and punch every couple inches to generally uh, to trigger a bite. Because generally, it, when a cold front comes through or it gets colder, the temperature drops or the barometric pressure drops or uh, raises or whatever. Generally, they they're not as active as uh, as they would be if it's a warming trend and, and that, that sort of thing. My bass in the tank back here—that's kind of my uh, barometer for. Uh, fishing if i come out here and i drop a worm in there or throw a, a lizard on top and he doesn't eat it immediately that's pretty much a barometer saying that it's going to be might be a tough day of fishing well cliff the last thing that we'll ask you about um isn't necessarily pre-spawn related i guess you could catch some in april pre-spawn in florida i mean we always think in arkansas oh it got warm in march they're going to be spawning and kyle looks at me and he's like they never you never catch one off bed until april like they we we always think right. we're going to catch them in march well when we come to the elite series at the st john's it's always will they be on bed in february this year though we're going to be at the harris chain in the st john's in april what do you see yep. being different about it i mean obviously the the first thing fans say is oh it's gonna be warmer maybe it'll be better but i know that doesn't always correlate perfectly well the the fish are still going to be shallow. Uh, the majority of them will be done spawning. There will still be fish spawning, but uh, it'll be different areas, and that probably won't be visual very much. Um, most of it will be post-spawn, uh, but the fish will still be shallow. There will be a ton of fish caught. It's going to be post-spawn, but they're still going to catch it. It'll probably be better fishing than it is in February because February, like the last time we were here, it was the most extreme cold front we've had in several years that we had that weekend. And uh, when that happens, um, these fish just shut down. Uh, you know that it's, the fishing's not as good. If you get an April, the the we may have to deal with some wind or something like that, but. Uh, it's going to be more consistent. If you find fish, you're pretty much just going. To, you're probably going to catch them. Uh, I don't think they'll move a whole lot. Uh, the weather won't predict it as much. It won't be as drastic. Uh, you know, we'll have some, you know, maybe some frost or something like that in the mornings. But other than that, it's 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 going to be good fishing. 
Well, I said I was going to let you go, but I have one more. I have one more thought and one more question. Okay. Um, that St. John's River event, depending, depending if Rick Clun fishes the, he normally fishes one division of the opens just because he's a crazy maniac and he likes to fish at, at his age as many as he can. Um, if he fishes the opens, the Harris Chain of Lakes will be his 500th BASS event. If he doesn't fish what? the opens then St. John's River will be, which I think I'm going to try to convince Rick not to because it would be super cool for his 500th event to be the St. John's, one of the most historic places, a place that he got his recent win. For you being a local and being cherished in your region as a hero, Rick Clun's kind of a a hero to all of us in many facets, whether we grew up watching him and admiring him or whether he was exactly like, you know, the respected hero that you looked up to. When he won at your body of water, your home lake, he wins in that way two different times. Um, have you been able to share any moments with with Rick uh, that are special to that event? You know, like just just because you're the guy around here and and you were factor in some of those events that he did well in. You know, uh, I mean, my hats off to him. I, you know, uh, the first event that he won. I still say I should have won that one. That was the one that I had the live well issue uh, the first day. Um, the second one, he just blew it out the last day. That was that was phenomenal. And and every time I see him, it's it, he, I know he relates me with the St. John's his last two elite events because he's got a smirk on his face. You know, it's like <laughs> I, I beat local boys, so <laughs> which I'm all good with. I'm 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 happy for him. I hope. I hope my uh, last two elite event wins will be up in his part of the country, but um, you never know. Never know indeed. Well, all I know is we've talked about it for years. When it comes to locals, other than maybe Brandon Cobb at Hartwell and Lee Livesey at Fork, executing on on wins like they have on various levels nice. there's no better local than cliff prince at the saint john's river for the elite so uh we look forward to having you on the elite series this season and i know that yep. you'll try to keep some of the secrets under your hat until april and try to uh catch another mega bag maybe on day one instead of day two at the saint john's river event that's right yeah well all I can say is there's no secrets when these boys come to town. There's not a rock <laughs> unturned, so I have found that out. Well, Cliff, appreciate you joining us on the Pattern of the Month episode for this, for December. Um, thank you for joining us, fans, for the Inside Bassmaster podcast presented by Black Rifle Coffee. We will see you in the next one.